Assalamualaikum everyone. One of the things that I have talked about a lot on my podcast is trust, trusting other people, not being a leaking bucket, healing your trust issues, learning how to trust yourself. But one of the things that I think deserves some light is tawakkal in hard times, tawakkal in uncertain times. So learning how to trust God in times of uncertainty, in times of confusion. And these terminologies, and there's lots of speakers that have talked about these terms as well. And I'm going to give you my take on how I get myself to a point of trusting Allah when I feel so immensely uncertain and filled with anxiety. So everyone has their own routes, their own takes, and we all have spiritual medicines that we can use to help develop a better tawakkal in Allah. Whether that comes through praying, fasting, doing more thikr, studying more, seeking more knowledge, spreading more knowledge, doing more good deeds, doing dawah, helping people, volunteering. There's so many good acts that we can do and obviously some obligations that help us create a better relationship with God and help us trust God more because it makes us have more taqwa and makes us have more God consciousness. So those things you have heard about. But what I'm going to talk to you about is just my insight and how I get myself to a point of trusting Allah, which is a little bit maybe different than what you hear typically, maybe not. One of the things that I always tell myself when I feel super uncertain is I ask myself this question, do I want to do it or do I want to let God do it? And obviously this is a one answer question. The answer is always, of course I want God to do it. God does everything. God does without me wanting or not wanting, right? So I have to submit myself to God's qadr and his decree, but also submit myself to the fact that I have a free will and I have a responsibility to how much I can and cannot do. But when I think about some of the things that I'm uncertain about or I have anxiety about, I ask myself, okay, Hera, do you want to do what you want to do? Or do you want to let God do what God needs to do? And I sit there and I think, I'm like, what do I know? I know this, I know this, 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 this thing. I know what happened then. I know what happened now. That's all I know. Then I ask myself, okay, Hera, what do you think God knows? And I'm like, everything, everything beyond my situation, beyond this world, beyond anything. He made me. So obviously he knows more. So then I ask myself, who do you want to, who do you, who should handle the situation? You or God? And every time I'm like, obviously God. And so I sit there and I genuinely sit there on my bed and I tell myself, then if you're going to let God handle it, let God handle it. Don't sit here and say, oh yeah, I'm throwing it on God. God can handle it for me while carrying the stress. Release the stress, release the burden and let God do it. I have recently started learning the seed of the prophet, peace be upon him. And there's so many beautiful things that you learn about when you learn the seed in depth, right? Because when we read the books and we do that whatnot, but like really going in depth and depth and depth, there's so many beautiful incidents and so many beautiful things that kind of show you throughout his life how not only is he just amazing human being, peace be upon him, but how him being a prophet, peace be upon him, was just aligned immensely, perfectly, of course, because God doesn't make mistakes. When you look at the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, how every single person slowly dies out, you know, just slowly, 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 his father, before he was even born. Then after some time, you know, his mother also dies. And when you look at the rate that, you know, just slowly, everyone goes, everyone goes, you think about those things and you think, 
what would have happened to me if God made those things happen to me? So if God made you live through those things, what would happen to you and how would you react? And I sometimes think and I'm like, again, naturally, like all of us, we'd be bitter. We'd be mad. We'd be seeking revenge. We'd be seeking enmity. You know, there's so many cases where the prophet, peace be upon him, was in a position where he could have, you know, harmed other people or he could have sought revenge and he never did. And scenarios like that, right? So you think about it and we talk about following the sunnah of the prophet, peace be upon him. And how, you know, we should strive and follow the sunnah. Part of the sunnah is adab. Part of that sunnah is your ahlaq. Part of that sunnah is those things. And those are things that are very, very difficult to maintain. And keeping it honest with y'all, we all struggle. Like, we all have aspects. Some people are really good at controlling their anger. But they're not as good as, you know, maybe being nice to people. Some people know how to stay silent and be patient, but they may come off in a tone that is hurtful, whatever. Like, you know, we all have certain mannerisms in regards to lots of other things that may hurt people and that we're working on. So when you really think about it, it makes you realize that striving for the sunnah is far more than the typical things that we hear about, than the growing up the beard and four wives and this, you know, just the things that TikTok and teens talk about. It's so much more than that. And when you learn that, I feel like it's mind blowing because it opens up a route to a whole other thing in your life. And the thing about keeping the wakal and keeping trust in Allah through trying times is because people say that what you do in your ease comes for you in your hardship. I agree. I also think that what you do in that hardship is what's going to come for you in ease. Because what you do in that hardship is what's going to build your character. And if you are someone who has a flimsy, flip-floppy character, you know, during hardship in the sense that you are raging and you're mad and you are just not even trying your best to be a good Muslim. Like we all have chances and, you know, times when we are just upset, we're mad, we're not in the best mood, or we have things that make us mad or people that may hurt us a type of way. You know, we all have circumstances, right? But if you're someone who's straight up just going off on the deep end, going living a lifestyle of haram because the hardship has afflicted on you, we're told that hardships are blessings and now you're doing that, you're taking that hardship and you're going off on the deep end committing haram because you think that God did an injustice with you by putting you in hardship. Yet we're told that hardship and afflicting and going through pain is what not only alleviates your heart and the next, but also alleviates your ranks. This is what helps you become a better Muslim, purifies you. Sin is here to, you know, make you sometimes feel tempted you're gonna have lots of things in your life you know certain temptations that you might give into that you might commit a sin with you follow those temptations then you learn to repent then you learn to repent again then you learn to repent again it's that cycle where you know you may commit a sin and you hate the fact that you commit a sin but constantly doing istighfar and constantly just asking allah for repentance brings you to this whole other level that was just unreal that you feel like you couldn't even experience beforehand so coming to that point, you need to understand and really truly internalize how important it is to 
First of all, stop taking hardships and using them as an excuse to go to the deep end. Some people have been afflicted with the worst hardships in their life and those hardships could be the exact same reason. They go to Jannah al-Firdaus al-Ala, they go to the highest ranks of Jannah and they're taking those hardships and they're going off on the haram end and they're complaining about Allah and saying, well, Allah put this on me. Allah put this hardship on me. Well, Allah, the same God that you're sitting here complaining about, also said that hardships are a way that your ranks could be alleviated, that you could be, you know forgiven for so many things that you could be seeking the highest reward in this life and the next allah is with the patient allah is with the brokenhearted is that not also a concept or are you just shoving that under the rug so you are being a little bit selective don't act like you're not you are and so when people say that well i was afflicted with this and i just went off on the deep end listen we all go through hardships that we don't talk about there are certain people that go through abuse and you will never know they go through abuse there's certain people that live in you know really really aggressive household systems and you never have a clue i have friends that live beautiful lives on instagram but i know them in real life and they are miserable crying themselves to sleep every night you see them traveling you see them living their best life and they're beautiful amazing girls and they deserve the world but their life off of instagram and who they really are two different things if i never knew them in real life i'd think wow she looks good but i know some of them in real life and i'm like wow instagram can paint you out to be something you're not and it's not necessarily like they're faking it or anything it's just when you see clips of people's lives from the small glimpses of what they decide to share you start to think that well everyone has it better than i do no there are so many broken hearts in this world you could be sitting on the bus right now next to someone who's brokenhearted and torn you could be working out right now next to the gym next to someone who fell feels just suicidal who feels like giving up who feels like they don't want a purpose they don't want anything they don't want just to live you can be next to someone right now who has lost everything in his life and he's getting up and going to work today. There are so many broken-hearted souls and you don't even know how many of them there are until you start to realize that just the same way that I am broken-hearted today, someone else is as well. We talk, We don't talk about all the things that we go through. No one does. No one has the heart, you know? There was this time when I was talking to one of my friends and she says to me, well, if I told you everything about myself, would you even respect me? And I said, what do you mean by that? And we were just talking about like how much information you should share with someone and like venting and talking about your problems and stuff. And she said to me, well, if I told you everything about me, my good, my bad, my ugly, my emotional, you know, like my depression side, would you even like what respect would you have for me? And she said, well, in my mind, and this is what she said. She said, in my mind, like, I feel like when you know so much about someone, you just lose respect for them. And I was like, well, personally, for me, I don't think that would be the case. Because I feel like the more that I know about someone and the more someone opens up to me and tells me about their good, bad, their ugly, their depression, their whatever, whatever, I feel like the more I can trust that person and the more that they can trust me, I think that trust is made through opening up to people sometimes through sharing the most vulnerable parts of you and also of course trust is gained through loyalty through how you act when this person's not around that's one thing but when you open up to someone and you see the response that they give you and of comfort or support or understanding or like the way that they keep your secrets and treat it like a beautiful iman and they don't let anyone get their hands on it they don't tell your business to people it really puts into perspective how much you can trust that person and in my opinion i think that now more than ever our generation thinks it's cool to be heartless to be careless to not give a crap and think that being mean is a cute personality trait and it's not it's not quirky it's not cute it doesn't make you quote quote feisty you look 
look it's just it's not cute it's not cute why do you think being emotionally unavailable is cute it's not cute there's people that actually struggle with that crap and then they're finding it so hard to let someone in and then we got teens going on twitter talking about some i'm so emotionally unavailable and like the only thing they do is like ignore someone's text message babes stop please so in my take, I think that when someone opens up to me and shares to me, they're good, they're bad, they're ugly, they're everything, I feel like I give, I respect them even more because it takes such a strong heart to talk about the things that you once buried that you don't even want your own soul to know. It takes a strong heart to come to that point. So I respect a person that can talk about those things. Now, when someone can't talk about those things, I respect that person as well because there's certain things that I can't talk about, right? Like we're not going to force someone to open up, but when someone chooses to open up and they choose to talk and get help and whatnot, I respect that person and so i feel like the more that i know someone the more i can trust them the more i can like get you know really know know them like not there's one thing to know someone it's another thing to know know someone you know i feel like the more i can know know them and like get a grasp of them and try my best to be someone that can help them so that's that one of the things that makes it very difficult for someone to keep the wakil is if they fall in love with something or someone of this dunya so severely and if they don't get what they want, they tend to have this sense of feeling towards God that, well, God, you're so powerful, why aren't you giving me what I want? But what people tend to forget is that Allah loves you more than you love yourself. Allah loves you more than you love whoever or whatever you want. And Allah loves you more than the people around you love you. So when you love someone, you want only what's good for them. You don't love someone and want to give them the bad end of the stick. When you love someone, you want to be there for them. You want to show them loyalty. And you just want to give them the best in everything. And that is exactly what Allah does. He gives us the best in everything. Now, the best is not necessarily what you might want to see. The best is probably not pretty in the beginning. But the best is the best at the end. There's a saying that the believer always gets the last laugh. And this is kind of the similar concept where what Allah picks out for you is always the best in the end. Whether it feels like it in the beginning or not, it's always good from the beginning. It's always the best from the beginning. But we tend to see the best in it in the end. So while you are die-heartedly wanting something and praying for something and you know, you're just wondering like, why won't this thing want me back? Or why won't this person want me back? Or why am I not receiving this? Or if you are, maybe you're just not feeling satisfied. You need to remember that first and foremost, Allah loves you more than you love yourself. God is never going to get anything from hurting you. You love what you love. That's fine. But you can't question God's abilities within that love. You can love something, want something and still understand that, well, this is probably not for me. Lots of people have to let go of things they love because they realize that practically it's not going to work. It hurts, but it happens and you have to do it. And that's a part of growing up. You know, our society talks a lot about relationships and Western style of dating. And people are very caught up on, you know, how many people were you with before me or this or that. Of course, in Western dating, now as, us as Muslims, we refrain from those things, right? But what a lot of people don't tend to take into account is it's hateful and hurtful and pessimistic to say this. But there is, if you don't heal yourself from some of the things that you love that you weren't able to get, if that thing comes around in your life again, you're going to drop dead everyone and everything just to go get it. And that's the bitter reality. I saw a whole thing on this about how people were saying how there's always that one person or that one thing that if it comes around again, they're going to leave you. Everyone's going to leave you and they're going to go run to that thing again if they could get it back. So people are so caught up in, oh, you know, what did you do in your past? But people are not caught up on where you actually stand emotionally because if something comes and it can just take you back and you get the chance again, then it's like, that sucks. That sucks even more. So 
people undermine that, which is why so many situations, especially in the Western, that we see end up the way that they end up, where like someone will run back to their baby mama of like 12 years ago and you'll be like, you thought it was done. It was 12 years ago. But for 12 years, maybe they never healed over the fact that they were still like in love with her or whatever. Right? But that's Western dating. And when we talk about Islam, within Islam, you can want something, love something, care for something, an idea, a career or whatever, and not achieve it. But you have got to get yourself to the point where you say, I love this thing, but we do not cage what we love. You know, one of the things that I always think about is birds, which sounds weird. I'll never understand people who keep pet birds, right, in cages. And like the bird is just forcing to fly. The bird just wants to fly. And my mom always talks about that too. She's like, what's the point of keeping a bird in a cage? Like, it's not fun, you know, unless it's like really special of a bird. But like, even then, like all the bird does is it just, it smacks itself against the cage because it wants to fly. And if you love that bird enough, you will let it fly and you'll let it go. And your desires and you as a human being and the things that you love and want are kind of the same. You don't cage what you love. It's not fair. You can't cage what you, what you love and then, you know, say that I love you so much or I love this so much that I'm just going to keep it with me for the rest of my life. You have to let it go. At one point or another, you do. And by letting it go, you let go of it from your heart, from your soul and your mind. If it comes back, it comes back. Alhamdulillah. Doesn't come back. Alhamdulillah. Because either way is a form of God's love. God love. God loves you enough to give you maybe what you want is good for you. Alhamdulillah. God loves you more than your own, more than what you love and more than what you think was right. Alhamdulillah. You know that God will not ever do you wrong. And so when you establish that mindset, it helps it become easier to keep the wakil. Another thing that really makes it easy for me to keep the wakil is I sometimes ask myself, I'm like, Hera, what do you know about the situation? And I genuinely sit there and I'm like, how much do I know and how much have I proceeded on my own? How much expectations or how much have I thought I knew? You know, like sometimes we create scenarios or imaginations or our own take on situations and perceive people in a better light than they actually are. I know that I I feel like one of the things that I do that I hate that I do is I struggle to trust, but then I will trust too quickly too much to the point that I'll be like, oh, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. And I'm like, Hira, it's the 21st century. People are menaces, okay? They, they probably will do that. And it's like, it's not that I haven't learned my lesson. I have. And I've gotten backstabbed. I've gotten all that a bajillion times, right? And every single time I... I you know, when I'm in a situation to trust, I tell myself, well, yeah, there's there's that sense that it could happen. Something could happen. I can get hurt. I can get backstabbed. I can get betrayed, whatever. Like, you know, you could get hurt by your friend or someone. But I tend to still want to trust that person. And it's like for other people, I've noticed the cases like when they get hurt by someone really bad, they just don't even want to trust anyone anymore. Me, on the other hand, like I want to trust. And then I always try to think really, really good of that person. And so when they don't live up to the expectations and the benefit of the doubt that I gave them, I get hurt. But at the same time, who's to blame? You know, like it's my fault because I shouldn't have perceived you in a light that was too good for you. At the same time, you know, we should always think and give the benefit of the doubt to everyone. That is key. You should always be a kind human being. You don't get to leak and impose your issues and your trust issues on people. You don't get to be a leaking bucket. I still stand by that. But you need to be cautious because how much of you are you going to give away so quickly? And that's a lesson that I'm still learning how to regulate and take care of. But one of the things you need to remember is benefit of the doubt is key, but with caution. If someone or something is meant for you, your paths will be connected by Allah and they will stay. Allah won't let that path break, okay? Allah won't. You might not talk to them. You might not be near your goal. You might not be near or even associating with it. You may be isolated on other parts of the world, but you stay connected. 
You stay connected. This is the path of Allah. Allah will keep it connected. Allah will work it out in a crazy way that somehow it'll work out. But if it's not meant, it just won't happen. And so you can't blame God and blame the world that, well, it didn't work out the way I wanted, so nothing else matters. Because to a point, there's only so much that you could have done, and you did. There's only so much that, you know, could have worked out on the dunya, and it did. And if God willed, he could have made everything work out according to your dreams and what you want. But what if that's not good for you? There are certain duas that we make for 30 plus years of our lives. And what we don't know is that those same things, if God accepted them and gave us what he gave us, we could literally end up in hell. Because that same thing that maybe you're making die heart dua for today could be something that is a stepping stone to leading you to doing something crazy or bad in the upcoming 10, 15 years, maybe even, which can bound you to hell. Now, people don't like to say that. They say that's extreme. Well, is it really? Because maybe getting that person that you wanted could make you, you know, they could impose something on you to a degree that you become very, very bitter, that you become very, very atrocious, that you start cutting off family ties, that you start treating people poorly. That person could maybe be someone that afflicts your faith in a type of way, in a negative way. And unfortunately, you know, we like to be honest and we like to say that, oh, well, if someone's like that, I'm going to get up and leave. I'm not going to be around that type of person. But when you are in that situation, you're weak. And people don't like to hear that, that you're weak. But the good thing about being weak is that you can always become strong. So unfortunately, you're weak. And when you are in situations like that, you're weak. It's easy for you to sit here on the outside and say, oh, well, I'm just going to get up and go. But when you are sitting there hopeless, helpless, depressed, and sad, dealing with someone like that, you feel weak. And that's okay. We've all been weak. I, I've been weak. We've all been weak. No, no shame in that. There's no shame in being weak. But taking the courage to leave takes strength. And undeniably, Allah knows how much we can handle and how much we can't handle. So right now, you at the age of 18, 19, you're thinking, yeah, well, if things fall through like that, or this happens to me, I'm just gonna get up and go like Allah should just still give me what I want, because like, I have enough rationale to just get up and go. But I think you're tending to forget that me and you, us as human beings are the same people that get so infatuated that it literally clouds our rationale and we cannot even think straight when we get what we want or when we don't get what we want. We are the same people that are so emotional. You know, there's this or the word and I don't like to <laughs> I don't like to throw this word around just but the <laughs> you're the same type of person that becomes so, you know, just mm, emotional. I want this. I want this. I want this. You don't even know if this thing could be the same thing that leads you to hell. So you're sitting here for 30 years, you know, making dua, you're like, Allah doesn't listen to me. No, Allah listens to you. Allah listens to you. You want what's good, right? So God's going to give you what's good. You don't want anything bad. You don't go to the store and pick up something broken. You want the best. You want the best of everything. So God's going to give you the best of everything. Keep faith that he will. But it's essentially that case. Another example that more often than not is we think, there's just no way that this thing could put me in hell or this thing could afflict me negatively because it is just perfect. I really don't want to say anything about anyone, but with the amount of girls that I've talked to and the amount of own experience that I have seen with my own eyes, let me tell you something. People are pious. Yes. There's, you're going to meet lots of pious people. There's lots of pious people on social media, but watch your end. That's all I'm going to say. Watch your back. Listen. When you really get, and when you really start infiltrating and you really in the skins of these people, bro, like you really get up in there, 
you hear and find out some very disturbing things. Like a lot of these people that I don't, I don't want to say anything. Just watch your back. Be careful. Lots of you think that, well, this person is so, 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 so pious. There's no way they could lead me to hell. If anything, they might just lead me to Jannah because of how pious they are. They'll make me a better person. Babes, there's only so much that you know. There's only so much that you know by social media. And I'm telling you that. And I'm someone on social media. And I'm telling you that. If one thing that I always think, I'm like, if you ever want to get to know me, listen to my podcast. Because I, like, this is me. Straight up. Like, just, I don't keep any filter here. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, no one knows what I look like. No one cares for me. It's all about my words, right? So I'm I'm vulnerable. I'm honest. I don't care. Like, I'm sitting up here telling y'all I'm depressed. Like, it doesn't bother me and at the same time i know that what i'm doing is helping people and so it's i don't i don't take it personal but of course if i'm dealing with something very very severe i don't talk about it but for me personally i am who i am like whatever you see of me on social media that's me and so of course like there's been times when i crack jokes or i do really weird things and y'all like what is wrong with her but i'm not going to act like i'm not a little crazy just to make myself seem more fitable i'm gonna be my authentic self and someone likes it they like it they don't they don't but that is one of the most valuable lessons i've learned being on social media because the amount of places and stuff that i've seen listen i'm i'd rather keep it 100 with y'all than act like i'm something that i'm not i'd rather keep it 100 than act like i know all this islamic information and knowledge and i can do this do that just to make y'all like me i don't care i don't care who likes me who doesn't my job is not to please everyone but my job is to make sure i don't hurt anyone so as long as allah is pleased with me alhamdulillah i'm good right and so i don't think that i need to put on a fake front and act like someone i'm not to have god be pleased with me alhamdulillah god if he likes me as i am he likes that i'm being my authentic self he likes that you know people are listening to me and they feel okay listening to me and i had this one person from italy dm me and she goes i love how you joke so carelessly but you never hurt anyone in the way that you joke like it's supernatural and super authentic and i was like i appreciate that because one of the things is you know that people sometimes are going to feel triggered by what you say chances are if you like me on my podcast you'll love me in real life because i crack so many jokes like we can become besties in a matter of two seconds i can make anyone my best friend if you don't like me on my podcast you probably won't like me in real life because this is exactly who I am. I've had people give me suggestions and give me advice of talking about this, 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 this because it'll get more views. And I always tell them, I'm like, I'm only going to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm only going to talk about what I feel like I'm enough knowledgeable to talk about. I'm not going to act like someone I'm not. You know what I'm saying? So when people sit here and say, well, this person is so, 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 so pious. There's no way they could hurt me. Listen, someone could be pious, a good human being and still not be written for you. That's okay. Someone could be pious, a good human being, be spreading Allah's word, have good intentions, have good niyat, all of that, and still not be written for you because they're written for someone else. It's okay. It's okay. You could be trying to get yourself to a career which will help boost you in your spiritual and in your spiritual life and your current life. And you could think that there's no way that this can harm me until 15 years down the line with this same thing that you were dying over today could be the stepping stone that leads you to do something insane that you would have typically not done if you didn't have this so there's lots of possibilities that come with things that may be very very beautiful and pretty on the surface and those beautiful and pretty things can be just as beautiful and pretty and gorgeous inside as well but you need to understand that compa compatibility is a very big thing. How compatible are you with this individual? How compatible are you with this thing, with this career? Compatibility matters. So that's one of the important things that people tend to forget. 
Another important thing people tend to forget is sometimes I've noticed this and I'm going to keep it honest with you guys because I've noticed the d discussion of tawakkal come up so much for in my DMs and just with people asking me to talk about this when it comes in regards to relations, which I don't like to, I don't know why that's like the main discussion y'all always be invested in for me to talk about, but I'll just do it. Listen, don't waste your entire life thinking, I'm waiting for the one. I want the one. Where's the one? Allah has written your nasib long before. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. You're a teen. You're 14, 15, 18, 19, go have fun. Get in your car, go with your girls, go do something. Have fun. You're going to look back when you're 25 and think, man, I was in there fretting for no reason. I wish I went and I had fun. I wish I lived my teen years. Because once you get married to the one that's written for, for you and your nasib, let me tell you something. Social media makes marriages look a lot more beautiful than they actually are. Marriages are beautiful. They are. And I bet you guys have heard this lecture a thousand times that people talk about the honeymoon phase and how people on social media only choose to share what they want to share. And that's true. But let me tell you something. You can't sit here and decide your entire life off of what they show you. You can't. You're going to drive yourself crazy. And just go have halal fun. Halal. Go do stuff that you want to do. Go have dreams, goals, whatever. Like... Don't sit here waiting around for the right person to come. They'll come on their own. Go enjoy your life. Have fun. I was talking to one of my friends who came over to my house and she was saying this thing to me and she was talking to me basically about like a relationship that she knows. And she was just basically saying to me how she can never see herself marrying a guy from back home. Like having him, like marrying him and then having him come live in the US and whatnot because of their mindset. And I was like, well, you don't think that they can like change or get better? She's like, that's not my job. That's not my job to adapt and to help him adapt and to help him change. And I was like, okay, good at it. Go on. And she was like, practically like obviously the preference is you just meet someone here you don't want to do something back home because no matter how amazing and how great the guy seems when he comes here he just they just can't like they can't handle it and she was talking to me about a relationship that she knows and she's like these people have two kids together and i still look at them and i'm like are you guys really in love literally two kids and she's like they have two kids together they have their own house and i look at them every day and i ask are you guys even in love because it just seems like they aren't with the amount of fights that they have the amount of situations that go down with the amount of this and that and just the way that you know he doesn't deem anything that she does important no matter how hard she works no matter how much she takes care of the kids like there's just so much that i i look at it and he seems like a great guy on the surface, but I see the way that he treats her and it makes me not want to marry anyone from back home because they can be a great guy and then you bring them here and then they just lose it because it's so it's such a culture shock for them from, you know, being around their friends and their family to coming all the way to the US where you're not going to have that fun lifestyle like that. You're not going to be around, you know, your aunts and your uncles and your cousins all the time. You're going to have to live in a state where you probably won't have any friends, where you're just going to have to work hard, where it's just going to be work, eat, sleep, repeat. So, you know, it, it drives majority men crazy because they're used to going back home and doing this and doing that and, you know, having fun eating street food, hanging out with their dudes or whatever, and then to moving across the entire 
globe for their wife and to start a new life with their wife they have to work so hard like a horse to get money started up here living in the u.s with their degree and it's just all this and that and that and it makes them lose their mind and then some men who aren't used to working hard go berserk when they come to the u.s because they expected it to be easier than it actually is and then it's just they want to fight with their wife about it like oh why are you like this but it's not necessarily their wife's fault because their wife told them what they were getting into and just like there's so much to it and it matters so much about character because people constantly talk about degree 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 you know education 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 but it matters so much also about character because when you come to the u.s and you let's say you married someone and you're coming with them it's a culture shock you're gonna have a culture shock people paint the u.s to be oh so fun and amazing and it's it's it has its perks but quite frankly yeah if you're not used to hard work you're gonna get whooped here and that's the case i've seen men who came with their wives and like now they live in the u.s they have their own house mashallah which is great but they just can't stand it they can't stand the u.s they're like i can't do it and they're there for their wives but now their wife is also suffering because of the attitude that the husband has so it's like so i feel like sometimes people overseas tend to undermine the actual responsibility that comes with living in the u.s and she was saying to me how we did just as a whole like me and the girls were talking and she was saying how basically you know our parents didn't understand mental health and so when we try to talk to them about mental health they don't understand because they never understood the concept of mental health so when time comes for this generation to raise their kids or they choose that they don't want to have kids the older generation goes berserk because it's like well why aren't you having a whole baseball team of kids that's your job but at the same time that's what the women were just and the older generation always you know taught of that mental health doesn't matter just do this do that do that do that to keep your husband around and it's so much more also in regards to the dean of creating depth and being a good person with iman and working on that but since so much of the older generation disregards mental health spiritual health and just the dean as a whole and it's all about culture 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 they tend to impose that belief on their children and want their children to impose that belief on their next upcoming children which it causes a big issue of dynamic all because people don't actually understand others perspective and that whole route and with that i just it's it's a big discussion like i just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. It's a big discussion because there's so much that goes into account. And I just think that so many people get so infatuated so quickly. Like if you're not willing to work hard, I, I suggest you to not get married. I'm serious because so many people are not willing to work hard in the marriage, in this, in that, in work, in making finances straight. When you decide you want to learn to work hard, okay, then get on the market. But if you're scared of hard work and you're scared of having, you know, things fall short, and that goes for both guys and girls, because as a girl, there's so much responsibility that falls on you. And as a guy, there's so much financial responsibility that falls on you. And also for the girl, like if she chooses to work, you know, I was talking to one of my friends who is thinking of going to law school and she's like, I'm going to come out of law school at the age of 25 and with a fresh degree i'm not going to take that degree and just go sit in someone's house because i didn't do all that work just to sit in someone's house so now it becomes an issue where you know parents are talking about ideal age of marriage or the marriage bracket of before you get married or after you get married but it just does not matter to her personally because 
she's going to come out of fresh law school at 25. What is she going to do with that expensive degree if she's just going to have to go and sit at some dude's house with it? And so she was just saying how she wants to break out of that cycle and stuff like that. And it's just there's so much projection and so many things that you could think about that it's like I feel like the way that social media paints it out to be is just not that way. Like I know some of these couples that my friends are telling me about and when you see them like you would think they're head over heels in love. Like they would be constantly like before, you know, their partner was able to come to the US constantly, you know, talking about them, taking pictures of events for them, showing them, inviting them, calling them, did it over and over and over again, wanting to visit them every year. Then after they came to the US, they just can't stand them. So it's like there is a lot of junk that goes into it and then a lot of older generation parents also don't prefer men, Muslim men in the US because of how they are, you know, mo money's example, like just, you know, the toxic traits and this, this, that. So they expect someone back home, but back home doesn't necessarily mean better because just because they have the cultural values, some of those cultural values are toxic. You bring those cultural values here to the U.S. and you're staying in an apartment or a house with this one dude and he's trying to impose his toxic cultures on you and you're trying to fight back with what you know is right in accordance to Dean and the hug. I'm tired. <laughs> this discussion just got me tired. <laughs> oh, God. And so in that matter, so many girls, you are infatuated, you're going crazy, you're living your college years depressed because you just want someone, but you should keep the wakal and Allah, the Allah will guide you the right situation at the right time. But when you rush it and you're angsty and you're impatient, you're ruining your own abilities to have meaningful relationships. When you go from relationship after relationship after relationship, person after person after person after person after person after person, after person you're like on a treadmill. And then when time comes that even when you do meet the one, since you never recovered from the previous 10, 8 people that you talked to, you it just jumbles. You need time. You're a human. You're not a machine. You're not like a customer service robot. You need time. Take time. You can take, you can talk to someone, see it doesn't work out and decide to wait two years in between if you want. Like no one is rushing you. And it's this older generation that wants to rush their children, which is exactly why so many of the older generations are ended up in marriages that suck. There's nothing wrong with taking your time. And I think more now if ever, this generation that has common sense, that is careful about the deen, understands that. So that's that keep the wakul that allah will grant you what's right now in regards to career it's not easy you know i come up i come from a family where majority of everyone does healthcare. i don't like the healthcare environment but i like some of the jobs and it's just for me the biggest question especially when you're 18 you go anywhere what do you want to be what do you want to be what do you want to be where are you going to college i always told them i'm like oh this is what i'm studying this is my major and from that i'm just gonna see whatever i get into whatever allah allows i know i have a couple options open for me i have some dream ideas but if i don't get that i don't get that and if i get it i get that you know so it's like i just i play like that there's some professions that i want to get a license in and they're very risky professions and my family and my sister and just everyone constantly tells me like hera you know if you slip up once in that profession, your entire license could be taken away because you could get lost, you could get sued for some really big stuff and it's super risky and it's super that because there's some healthcare jobs that are very risky. You do one thing and someone else could have a reaction to it. It could not even be your fault and you could get sued and get your license taken away. I, it's far more deeper than people think. And I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, that can happen in any field, can it not? Majority of the time if we're talking healthcare. So, like, 
you just have to keep the wakil and Allah, the Allah will guide you to what's right. You know, and so don't fall so in love with a career, with an idea or just something so deeply that you can't see yourself disattaching from it. Because again, like I always say, you're a human being before you are those things. And so you need to love the values of yourself before you turn to love the values of those things that they hold. And so keeping tawakkal in these situations isn't easy. But again, ask yourself, would you want to handle it? Do you want to let God handle it? You would much rather want God to handle it. Because you know that these discussions of professions and people and ideas and careers, they're big. I'm exhausted. I'm literally emotionally exhausted after talking about that whole culture war thing. Because just the idea of it, traumatic for me. Just the thought, just the discussion. I didn't get away. Like This was wrong. It's 11.19 in the morning. I shouldn't have talked about that because that just set my mood. I don't... Mm, triggers me. <sighs> Let me calm down. It's just... It's, it's a lot to even talk about. Imagine living through it. So it's like Allah has written your decree. Expect good from God. You expect good from God, inshallah, He'll give you good. Leave it at that. Sometimes we overcomplicate the matters in our head. We sit here, we create scenarios and make homes and what if this happens and this happens and this happens. There's lots of branches to talk about when we do talk about them. That's why sometimes you just got to stop thinking. Really, you do. I've noticed that some people in life who are the most successful didn't waste their time thinking so much. They just did what they did. And part of keeping the wakal is remembering that you've done your part. And if you prayed, you cried, you did it all, right? Now let Allah do his part. Comfort your heart and watch what happens. Allah will show you exactly what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, and what is good for you. And that's another take as to why I think that so many men are so emotionally unavailable. Because besides like your upbringing or whatever your parents did, some men are just, they don't give it time. They want someone every single month of their life every single month oh situations fell through with girl a mm, okay cool well i whatever situation fell through with girl b no problem i got girl c situation fell through with girl c no problem i got d and they just go and go and go and then that's why men six to eight months later after the situation has been done are like wow remember girl a yeah, she was so cool. She was what I was looking for. But you were so busy trying to rush and rush and rush and rush and rush every single little thing. And that's why they, they don't have meaningful relationships. Men don't know how to take time. That's my honest opinion. And I don't think you can change my mind. Men don't know how to take time. Majority of the men that are like that. Because they just constantly, they don't want to front up the pain that they might have gotten attached or liked someone so they force themselves to get into scenarios with other girls so it can feel like oh no 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 i wasn't tripping over her come on i'm not no simp then they start with a girl then another girl and like the girl that they originally liked or the girl that was originally in their mind they try to bury her by going through other options which only creates useless emotional attachments you share one thing with this person one thing with that person now you have your emotions and your feelings and your secrets scattered out among people and you lost yourself that's why so many men are emotionally unavailable y'all need to learn how to give it some time you talk to a girl it didn't follow through or you decide that both of you need time you don't have to you don't have to rush to another girl you don't. You don't have to rush and decide, oh, I'm going to find some brand new love of my life. You can work on yourself. You know that, right? And I had to give that same advice to my girls. Something fell through or you guys decided that you guys needed time. You guys need a couple years. Okay, it's fine. You don't, you're not going to sit here and expect and wait for him to come back. You're not going to keep that expectation from him because you're going to be let down if you keep expectations from people. Keep expectations from God that inshallah, God will bring that person right back to you if they're good for you because, you know, Allah knows what's right. But 
don't hold on to the idea of someone coming back to you. People make their decision to leave, and if you weren't a big enough reason to stay, it's unlikely it'll be different in the future for them to come home to you. So if someone did left you and did you dirty, which is different as compared to you and someone deciding that you need time. If y'all decide you need time, that's a whole other thing. But if someone done did you bad dirty, or they're like, oh, I'm gonna fix up and come back for you, don't sit here and expect that. Don't sit here and expect from them. You're gonna be let down. You can make dua to Allah, but don't keep an expectation from them. And that's the best way to avoid getting hurt. Look at what it actually is, not the potential. Y'all are so scared of admitting that you were emotionally attached to someone or you liked someone, so you bury all those things under a hundred different girls, a hundred different other people, or men are literally running marathons where in their mind they'll say, okay, I'm gonna come back for this girl two years later because I like her. But in between these two years, I'm gonna play around with my options and I'm gonna just flirt and do haram things with girls and then when the two years are up I'm gonna go back to that girl that I originally wanted who was a really really good like halal you know keeping it always halal muslim type of girl who's on her deen I'm gonna go back to her but in these two years in between I'm gonna go have some fun so I'm not so emotionally invested and attached to her dude you're ruining yourself that is the number one way to take yourself down a deep end you're ruining yourself you're ruining your ability to have meaningful relationships you're ruining the ability for you to love you're ruining the ability for you to be alone with yourself you're ruining the ability for your future spouse. You're ruining the ability of you being emotionally present. Like men feel like they constantly have to jump and jump. And it's the most aggravating thing ever. Because then men want to come back and cry eight months later talking about some, oh, you know, you were the love of my life. Boy, shut up. You went through like 16 other girls in between. All because you couldn't face up your emotions. Like, I'm aggravating my own bones with these discussions because I just can't, I just can't stand it. Like I see it on social media all the time and I have so many girls that tell me about this and I'm like, homegirl, if he really cared, like he would not be doing that. You know, he would make dua, he would work on himself. And then in two years, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, but this whole thing of rushing to find like something in between to numb out, you're going to ruin yourself. I know so many people that are in long winded situations today because they just constantly want to find something to numb it out. And at one point or another, nothing's going to work. Then you're going to be stuck with these 16 people around you that, you know, you're so totally in love with when you're not. And it's just, just stop. Like, stop. Stop. You don't, mm, like, facing your emotions head on is not easy. But it's way better than sitting here for the next eight months of your life numbing it out through other people. They don't deserve that. Stop using people as a pit stop for your healing and then throwing them away when you feel like you're ready to get to your destination. Because nobody here is responsible to be your pit stop for when you want to get your life together and then decide that you want to become, oh, this amazing best man and get up and go to your destination. And that's exactly why I tell these girls, I quit playing around with these men. Don't let these men play around with you. Don't let them milk time out with you. All you're getting into haram relationships only to be pit stops for him to eventually end up with his future wife. And you don't want to hear that. But that's the reality. That's the reality. You, He's using you. He's learning all these things about, you know, this, this, that through you. And then, he, you know, alas, if you were to die, he would repent, move on, become a better person, get on his deen, marry someone amazing. And you'd be six feet in the grave paying consequences for what? Paying punishment for what? For someone that literally didn't love you enough to make a halal. Really. And that's the concept that I always tell people. Imagine your your partner just died. Six feet in the grave. They're facing the punishment for your haram relationship. And your partner sees, that, like, oh, it's like a realization to them that, oh my god, like, someone I love just died and they were in a haram relationship. They change their ways. They repent. They Allah forgives them. They have a second chance in life. They start over. Well, you were sitting there paying the punishment in your grave. 
Is it fair to you? It's not fair to you. Care for yourself more. You know that's not fair to you. So stop thinking that you need to hold on to these things or you need to numb stuff out. Keep tawakkal in Allah. When you put your trust in Allah, Allah will be sufficient for you. Always, always. Allah will always be sufficient for you. Keep gratitude towards Allah. Keep faith towards Allah. When you start to see these thoughts creep in on you, you're starting to overthink about these things, stop it. Create a barrier between your thoughts. You're having these thoughts. Are they good thoughts? No. Leave it at that. Get up and do something. Go for a run. Go read a book. Go do something to block those thoughts out. But don't sit here and let those thoughts come in and then infiltrate your brain and then put you in a wrong mindset. Leave it up to Allah. No one is saying to distract yourself and numb yourself. All we're saying is in the beginning, you need time. Take that time. Take the time to think about it. Take the time to cry. Take the time to be heartbroken. Take the time to go ballistic. Take the time to feel like you just need to, you know, just scream and cry. Do it. But after that, it's time to get up. It's time to get yourself together. You're going to cry. You're going to get hurt in between too. That's fine. No one's saying you can't cry. We see some prophets who cried for years and years of their lives. But that doesn't mean they weren't patient. That doesn't mean they didn't have sabr. Sabr is knowing that Allah will help you out of it. Sabr is knowing that inshallah here, God will make a way for you. You don't need to go to the haram ends to make things work for you. Leave it up to Allah. Have patience up to Allah. Knowing that no matter what happens, I'll bear my patience. God will be there with me. Okay? No one is saying that you're not going to have days where you just want to cry and punch the wall and scream. You, you will. You will have those days. And accepting the fact that you have those days makes it easier. As compared to you gaslighting yourself and saying, wow, I'm going crazy. No, you're an emotional wreck. You're going through so many different things at once. You're having all these hard things just fall upon you. You're a human being. You're not made of steel. You're not made of iron. You're not a robot. You're going to cry. You're going to feel hurt. It's okay. But at one point or another, the discussion comes to what are you doing to get out of it? Because you can cry. You can feel sad. Yes. But we look at the lives of all of those that went through such difficult afflictions. They didn't just sit there. They were steadfast. They continued to make dua. They asked Allah for help. They complained to Allah about their situations. They did something. They changed their conditions to the best of their abilities. But if you're going to sit here on your bed for the next two years, you know, it's like you're you're doing it to yourself. Have the waqal that Allah will get you out of it. We see that in the lives of all the prophets, based upon all of them that came before us, there was tawakkal, and with that tawakkal came help. We see in Musa Islam's story how he's in a state of fear. He's worried, how am I going to go back and deal with the Pharaoh? How am I going to go back and deal with these things? And when Allah told him to, you know, hit his staff on the ground, did he say, you know, Allah, I'm just not feeling that. Like, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I'm not in the mood. No, he did his part. And he kept tawakkal in Allah. Fear not, God is with us. He kept his tawakkal in Allah. Allah parted the sea. Did he not? Yes, he did. So you're going to have some degree of what you need to do. And leave it up to Allah. If Musa al-Islam stayed there and he was like, Yeah, you know, Allah, I'm just not feeling this whole... I'm not feeling that. Like, I'm not going to... No. And that's what us human beings do. These prophets, peace be upon all of them, were gone through such crazy situations and such hardships so we can learn from their lives. So you can see how Allah will help those that constantly keep tawakkal in him. If... You know, the prophets, peace be upon them, were like, yeah, you know, Allah, I'm just, I'm exhausted today, so I don't think I'm going to go on. No. If they, they could have been fearful, they could have been sad, they could have been hurt, afflicted with health issues, so many other things. But they still tried their best. They still continue to make dua, they still continue to stay steadfast, they still continue to do what was in their control. So when Allah is telling you that He's not going to change the condition of someone unless they change the condition of themselves, and you've done everything to change the condition of yourself, you've started to make a better routine for yourself, you start to get up, you start to pray five times a day, you start to read Quran, you start to do dhikr, you started to exercise, you start to take care of your health, you've done all these things, and you're thinking, well, why am I not getting better? 
Maybe the last thing that you need to your puzzle is tawakkul. Maybe you think you trust God, but you're not actually trusting God. Maybe the last piece that you need is tawakkul. And you develop tawakkul by realizing that no one can do it better than God can in every single situation. So there is this beautiful quote that um, Ibn Abbas said that Allah will guide his heart to certainty that the person knows what reached him would never have missed him and whatever missed him would not have reached him, okay? So sometimes your anxiety and your fear will make you think that, oh, you missed out on this opportunity, you missed out on this person. Anxiety and fear are cousins, but they're not twins because fear sees a threat and anxiety imagines one. Fear is seeing the actual active threat and your anxiety imagines one. And so sometimes when people are fearing things that have never happened, it roots a lot from their anxiety because their anxiety imagined a threat which caused their fear to start seeing an active threat and it causes this emotional destruction, destructive mindset that hurts not only your emotions but your physical. And the other important thing to remember is that you know you're going to get better on your path of healing mentally and on a soul level when you realize that your level of healing and your progress in your life has nothing to do with the people of your past and making them feel regret. It has nothing to do with, oh yeah, I'm going to show them how much I moved on and how much of a better person I am and I want them to see what they did to me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. You let it go. You let it go. And it, it becomes all about you. It becomes about you not caring about making them feel regret. That's not on your hand. Or to proving to someone that you're worthy and capable. Or to make a statement to tell people, like, look, look what you did to me. Look what you did to me. Look where I am today. You don't, you don't care. Because you grow because you know you can. Become, you could become better because you know you can. Because you saw it in you when no one else saw it in you. So you strive for excellence. You strive for greatness in everything that you do without feeling like you have to tie your success to proving to those who didn't believe in you that you made it today. So yes, right now, maybe you can't go back and change the beginning of what happened. It's not in your hands. But you can start where you are right now and change your life right now and work on keeping tawakkal. Maybe that is the missing piece of your productive, amazing life. Maybe you just don't have tawakkal and maybe that's what you need. And when you start to believe that no one can do it better for you than you can do it for yourself, life changes. No one can help you achieve your goals as better and as good as you want them for yourself. So want good for yourself. Want Allah to give you good. And then inshallah, that will come to you. There's just so much more to life than finding someone who will want you or finding a career that will make you feel fulfilled or being sad over someone who doesn't want you or being sad over a career that didn't work out there's a lot of wonderful time to be spent discard like you know figuring yourself out working on yourself without hoping and feeling that oh i'm i'm lonely i'm this i'm that you need to care for yourself before anyone else will care for you okay so strengthen your connection with Allah, take care of yourself, become among those that are pious, try to strive for the sunnah, just learn to be okay with you. Because the people who will see your value and see your worth will see it at the first stroke. You don't need to go back and prove it. And always remember what Allah says in the Quran in 3.150. But Allah is your protector and he is the best of helpers. So not only is Allah going to help you, He's going to protect you. He's going to protect you from what's bad. He's going to protect you from what you are so infatuated, head over heels, dying over. Allah is your protector. And this Quran, these ayahs, all these things are here as proof for that. Out of billions of people, Allah has chosen you to be Muslim, to be able to pray five times a day, to repent for your sins, to reach Jannah, to reach these beautiful, beautiful experiences in our lives, whether it's Ramadan or Eid with your family or 
being able to follow the sunnah and just all these other things. And when you remember that Allah is your protector and he's the best of helpers. And you know that Allah encompasses all knowledge in this life, the next and just everything else. How can you not trust the one who protects you? And how can you not trust the one who is also the best of helpers? Inshallah, here this episode was good for you. If you like it, let me know. I'll definitely make a part two because I can talk about this for a hot minute. Hope you guys like this episode. Assalamualaikum.